Hey, what's going on, everybody? Kalen Wojcik here with the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. Welcome to another episode. And on this episode, we have a super special guest. His name is Gary Larson. And most of you guys are probably familiar with Guardian Long Range and what they do. And we took the opportunity to sit down and chat with Gary and talk about what Gary is all about, what the Guardian is all about, and the event that Guardian has coming to the Pacific Northwest here in uh, the end of May. And so if you guys are interested in shooting the Guardian event here in Washington State, it is a phenomenal venue, and uh, I'm recording this introduction after the episode, and Gary dropped a pretty cool bombshell in the episode, and that is anybody who is a member of Modern Day Rifleman, you guys are going to have $100 in raffle tickets given to you by Guardian, so that way you guys can have a good experience with the prize table that uh, Guardian offers, and everything on the prize table is raffled off, so... Um, I believe they sell Guardian raffle tickets for five bucks a pop. So you're going to get a hundred bucks worth of chances to win prizes that uh, are on the prize table there. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. If you're not familiar with the Guardian, I strongly recommend you guys check them out. They are a fantastic and honorable cause and uh, you'll learn more about it in the episode. So hope you guys are having a good day and enjoy the episode. Much love to all you guys. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep your face on the gun. What's going on, Gary? How's uh, how's your day go? Where are you at in the world right now? Uh, North Carolina. I'm at home. Yeah, uh, outside of Charlotte. Um, that's where we that's where we call home now. So yeah, it's, uh, spring has been uh, losing the fight to winter as it's like going back and forth. Mornings yeah, are cold, yeah. afternoons are hot. It's like a back and forth. Yeah. Kind of thing. yeah. So, yeah. So Gary, I haven't had a chance to sit and, and chat with you um, much other than just kind of like text conversations here and there. And um, so I'm really interested in what you guys have going on at the guardian. And I would just love it if you could, Kind of, I'm sure you've done this a bunch of times to talk about what it is that you do and, and how you do it. This is the first time that you've been on the Modern Day Sniper podcast, so thanks for showing up. Thanks for talking about what it is that you do. Um, I think that what you guys have going on with The Guardian is one of the most honorable ways to, uh, to run an event like this. And um, I would just love it if you could just tell our audience what it is that you do and why it is that you do what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having, having us on. This is awesome to be able to connect with you. Um, so the guardian long range is a nonprofit organization. Um, we are a charity dedicated to helping foster kids get placed into forever families, not only foster kids, but all kids in need. Um, and we started this mission nine years ago and, um, it actually, I was the founder of it and, um, as a former foster kid myself and a kid who like struggled in trying to find um, a forever family, I didn't want that for other kids. And I've always had a passion for um, wanting to do some really cool shooting stuff. So I just decided to create a uh, shooting competition where all of the proceeds go back to help kids that were like me and need loving families. And it's absolutely taken off to where, you know, if you're combining something like 
long range shooting, which people are passionate about and a mission like helping foster kids and orphans, which people can get behind. It's a win-win for sure. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I haven't shot one of your events yet and I'm very much looking forward to it here in Washington. And, and that's, you know, part of what we wanted to do with this podcast was to say, Hey guys, we have a guardian event in Washington state that, um, that needs some traction. Uh, we need, we need some traction here and we need some people to, um, realize that number one, the cause of the guardian events is without a doubt the, the most honorable thing I've, I've, I'm repeating myself here, but that's, that's okay because people need to understand what it's all about. Um, and number two, the venue that you guys have selected to shoot is, uh, fantastic. And I, I've shot at Carl's place many times, uh, both with competitions as well as uh, running training classes up there. And it's nothing short of spectacular, especially if you're into shooting in field environments. So, and, and Carl is Carl's methodology of putting on events and how he structures them is, is fantastic. I mean, Carl's an old school sniper and he is a huge proponent through lots of experience of saying, Hey man, the way that this works is it's a find it, arrange it and shoot it type event. And, um, it's very realistic, as realistic as you can do with stationary steel targets. Right. So there's only so many things you can do. Um, and the, I don't know, like, how are you guys structuring it? Are you going to let Carl kind of set everything up in terms of like how he's going to organize the stages or is, or you have input on that? And how do you do that, Gary? Yeah. Great question. So, uh, May 20th and 21st will be at Carl's place. Um, it's only 38 days away as of this recording on the 12th. Um, and we, we, when working with Carl, we didn't want our first foray into Washington, Washington, um, because we've never been like west of Colorado, like truly west. And people have been asking, bring the Guardian West, bring the Guardian West. And we've been trying to find locations that were were um, dynamic and fun enough to where we would we would get uh, you know a good out um, experience for the shooters. Um, but this event will be a blend of leveraging Carl. And our team, in particular, Garrison Pratt, who basically helps, you know, run all of our matches and is our, you know, COO or national match director. But um, the first year out, we decided not to do a blind stage, all find it, range it, engage it. Um, and part of the rationale behind that was we have to really establish the Guardian brand out west. And we want to open that up to as many potential shooters as possible. And in our first year out, we said, let's go ahead and aim small, miss small, make it a little bit more approachable. And as we start to grow the brand, hopefully next year, we can start to put in some more dynamic things like all blind stages where they're all, you know, find it, range it, engage it. So for this year, it's going to be a traditional, hey, you're going to actually be told where the targets are. Um, but this is a... Our match will be a two-day format. So day one, you shoot as an individual, like you would at an NRL or a PRS match, things like that, where you'll have preset stages um, and all of the things out there, obviously, in Washington are all, all are natural. But, hey, they'll say there's three targets out there. Here are the ranges. Here's the info. Go and shoot them. 
at the end of that first day, which is Saturday, um, we'll give trophies to the top three shooters. They don't get to walk the prize table. They don't get to take prizes. Tiger Woods doesn't need a um, new set of Callaways after he wins the Masters <laughs> or most recently withdraws, right? Isn't like that the we, truth? We've rewarded, yeah, but we, we've rewarded the top performers with more stuff that they don't need, and that really doesn't grow the sports. So we're very intentional about the, the guys who win. They get a trophy, and that's it. Um, everything that we get from our sponsors and our donors, we raffle off, and it's $5 raffle tickets. We'll do that Saturday after that first day. Uh, we raffle everything off for $5, no limit on how much you can win. It's all an investment. All that money goes back to a, a local organization. Um, but then at the end of Saturday, what we actually do is we uh, look at the standings and the top shooter all the way to the bottom. What we do is we fold that standing in half. So for day two, the top shooter shoots with the bottom shooter. And the second top, second bottom, so on and so forth, kind of like an NCAA bracket where, you know, it's all creates parity. But the intent of that is to create an opportunity for fellowship because you have most likely newer, inexperienced shooters in that bottom quarter who, you know, struggled. And what better experience for them than on day two than to truly get mentored, helped and pair up in shooting, you know, similar stages on day two with different par times, maybe a few different, you know, obstacles and stressors. But the intent is, man, that person who crushed on day one, awesome, congrats. Now it's your time to mentor and help someone else who didn't have that good of an experience. Maybe even let them shoot your rifle. We'll have stages where they do rifle swaps. And it's like, dude, this rifle's so much better. And it's like, yeah, I got decent glass, right? You know, I'm shooting, you know, a, a decent trigger. Um, and, and it helps them uh, grow their network and create uh, a phenomenal experience that is unlike anyone else's. Um, that's the one thing that truly, one of the things that truly differentiates the Guardian from other competitions is that Sunday where it is truly a pro-am. Like other places could say, oh, it's a pro-am. And it's like, well, Kalen hasn't shot in a match in a few years. Technically, he's an am. And it's like, eh, is he though? Right. <laughs> so, so this is, this is, you'd, you. you'd, you'd have to completely tank day one to try to uh, get to, to day two and pair it up with somebody. And, and nobody's, nobody's doing that. We're not here for that. Yep. Yep. So yeah, that's a little bit about like the match format. I mean, the, the, um, what we try to do is we try to aim for 50% or higher hit rate on average. So if at the end of the day, if we look at all the scores and tabulate everything, if we say that we've hit 50% um, of the shooters um, got got impacts, um, that's a win. Um, okay. You know, okay. So so is that like across the whole board, 50%, or is that your top, top shooter? Top to bottom. No, 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 no. That would be that, that would, would be a pretty a, that would be a pretty sorry. stout match. Yeah, that would. We've had some that have almost turned that way, um, but but. Yeah, no, um, on average, the top shooters are, you know, uh, 85 to 90%. We have yet to have anybody clean any of our matches. I said several years ago, if anybody ever cleans our match, I'll give them free lifetime registration to any event. Um, and we have yet to have anybody do it. And I did that with the intent and the point to say that Guardian matches are not meatball matches. If you're a newer shooter, it's going to be challenging. If you're a super awesome shooter like you and Phil and other guys, 
you're still not going to walk away with nines and tens on every stage. Yeah, man. Well, I can tell you for a fact, you can be a stellar shooter and go to Carl's location and you can get your ass handed to you really, really fast because it's a, it's a unique location and there's going to be situations that are presented to you there that you probably haven't been exposed to yet if you haven't shot in that type of environment. And um, Carl do some sneaky stuff. He'll yeah. he'll well, hide and, targets and he'll yeah. put them down little tunnels through the veg that yeah. your bullet doesn't fly a straight line. I'll, I'll give some little hints, right? So your your bullet, guys, your bullet doesn't fly in a straight line. <laughs> so yeah. keep that in mind. Well, you talk about like dirty air, and you and Phil talk about that. And when you're shooting high angles and you're shooting in the cross valleys and things like that. Um, your ordnance, where your bullets actually traveling line of sight is even a bigger gap than if you're shooting off flat terrain. So like trying to read the wind 300 feet in the air off of, out of a valley, it's like good luck, bro. Send yeah, it no, and, yeah. and that's and just experience. It it's just experience yeah. that, that, that takes, um, a lot of times people ask me, they're like, well, how do you get, like, how do you deal with that? Well, you just have to go out and you have to shoot in that environment and you have to figure it out for yourself. You have to figure out your own truths based upon uh, what you've experienced and what you've seen. And once you do that, you can start building your, your, your mental database of saying, oh, hey, I was in this condition once before at this place and I experienced this phenomenon. I should probably apply that to this particular condition because it's somewhat similar. Yeah. And you find that and you talk about finding your own truth and some of it's like developing almost like a, a mental library or a muscle memory library where, you know, the sports analogy I'd think of is a running back has a play where he's supposed to run this way and, you know, cut that way and go between a couple tackles or whatever it ends up being. And through his experience, he's developed an ability to read things in ways that don't show up on paper, Right. Um, and, and that's what repetition and getting kind of, you know, uh, having those, uh, painful experiences teach you, if you're willing to learn, you can go, you know what, even though the wind feels like it's left, right, my experience tells me it's actually a little bit different. And, um, the only way you can do that is through repetition. You're right. So Gary, how many, what, what are we sitting at right now with registrations for, for the May event? Yeah. So we're right at about 40, uh, maybe about 45 shooters. Uh, we'd like to get, you know, 60 to 70 shooters. Um, I, you know, Carl's place can certainly host more, um, but 38 days away. Um, you know, if we could get to 60 shooters, so just 15 to 20 more shooters, man, that would really create a phenomenal experience for us. So part of the reason why we're pushing for registration is that, Every match, we find a local organization and we give a $15,000 check to. So we'll find a local like foster care residential facility or a place that deals with kids that have been like physically and sexually abused. And we'll have them come to the match. They show up and we present them with a $15,000 check. Well, in order for us to be able to cover those expenses and, and everything else that comes on with taking a match is we... We, we need shooters to come because they are the revenue generator, right? So the shooters that come, your $250 registration is not only tax deductible, where it's basically like passing the hat through church and you drop in 250 bucks and you get to write that off. Um, but um, you also just understand that, 
you know, we, we've got, you know, T-shirts. We're providing you meals, uh, not only lunches both days, but we're also providing you dinner on Saturday. Um, and, you know, if you're a newer shooter, uh, for example, if you're a youth, anybody that's 18 years or younger, that's 100. We're giving you $100 in free raffle tickets just for just for being there. That's and, awesome. and that's, that's something awesome. we want to really encourage as younger shooters to come. And guess what? If you're a young shooter or if you're not a young shooter and you don't have stuff to shoot with, you're like, hey, I'd like to, but I don't know if I have the right stuff. We have seven loaner rifles that we can let you use. So we'll provide the rifle, all the gear, and we'll even sell you a box of ammo for 38 bucks. And it's got its dope card. We've, you know... Um, Night Force has been amazing enough to provide us optics for all of those um, rifles. You know, uh, MDT provided chassis, Patriot Valley provided all the gunsmithing, um, and and they're all donated. And they're and they're freaking sweet rifles. That's it's like, awesome. dude, I don't have anything to shoot with, but can I borrow yours? And it's like, yeah, come and shoot it. If you need ammo, you know, it's we're we're not making money on it, but here's the ammo and and. Um, and the other thing that's a part of that that separates the Guardian is the Friday before the match, we do a train-up. And it's going to be uh, four to five hours with, um, you know, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, as much as we can do, instruction for shooters to get dope out at distance, be able to build a dope card, have some instructors work with you on some positional stuff. The intent of that is because we tend to cater towards newer shooters. We want to make sure that on Saturday and Sunday, they walk away better than they were when they came. And we want 100%. them to hit targets. Because if they just end up throwing rounds into the dirt, they're going to be like, mm, maybe this isn't for me. And we end up losing somebody in the industry. And we don't want that. Yeah, for sure. That's that's always a challenge, right? When you when you have a new, a new participant showing up to an event, um, it can break hearts, right? You, you can, you can break hearts. And, and so there's some events, there's some places that I've told people, I'm like, Hey, if you're new, don't go there first. Like, just don't do that because you know, obviously it's like mental toughness at the end of the day. Like how tough are you mentally to deal with those conditions? Um, but at the same time, you know, shooters have to learn and obviously we should have events or or stages within events that are super difficult for everybody. So that way you can learn from them. But if that's like a repetitive thing, stage after stage after stage and a, and a shooter's getting, you know, two out of 10 hits on average, that's not the best experience for them. Right. And that's, and that's not what we want to, that's not what we want to have. And it's difficult for match directors to, to kind of coordinate because depending on, the, the size of your event and the popularity of your event, you obviously have to make it challenging for the upper echelon, you know, the top 5% because, you know, that's just the, the spread of skill and it's not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. And, and, um, you know, to your point, when you have people just getting thrashed every stage, there's, there's a brokenness that's yeah. like, it's like, dude, I suck. I'm embarrassing myself. I, I feel like an idiot. There's that mental thing that just naturally starts to happen. One of the things we try to do to help mitigate that is we encourage the ROs and all of the shooters to help coach. And then not just coaching after 
you've done with the stage. Like when you're on the stage, if you see somebody struggling with a rear back and their like elbows are floating off a rock, shooter can run up and put a game changer under there while he's on the clock and trying to help him get on target. Um, because the reality is if that shooter is struggling, he's not going to bump, you know, you or Kalen off of the trophy stand or yeah. off the top yeah. three. Like it's, it's more important for that guy to have a good experience and eventually be the next Kalen Phil than it is for you to just, you know, win all out. And this guy, you know, ends up dropping out of the sport. So, and that's, so that doesn't, matter, our, that doesn't oh, matter the level of shooter, no. right? So no. coaching is allowed on day one and day two. Um, and, and what, what you find though, is that the more experienced shooters don't want it, right? Cause you have your own mental yep. stuff you're doing. So you don't want an RO giving you corrections. Cause you know, in your head, you got to come two tenths left. RO might say something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you start playing that game. So the guys who want it, like, dude, we'll provide as much coaching and feedback as you can. We try to also organize squads to where we have some diversity of skill set and experience when yeah. shooters register we say hey how experienced are you so we don't want a squad of all new guys all shooting together not only are they going to struggle with time and managing the time and they're mm -hmm. going to be like the bottleneck but it's also like there's no opportunity to help these guys like right. i want right. i don't want a super squad with a hundred or ten of the top dudes all stacked up and they're just you know doing their own thing. I want to spread those guys throughout and make sure they can help bless the newer shooters have a great experience. Yep. And I, and I think that's important for everybody to understand because in the, in the competitive world, the, the ultra competitive world, right. And you start shooting in, in like the, the, the PRS pro series and things like that. Like those dudes are, <clears throat> excuse me, those dudes are out for blood, right? They're, they're there to compete and they're there to perform at their highest level. Right. So, and it's a conundrum that we've spoken of many times because me personally, when I perform best in, in events, it's when I'm being myself and I'm being authentic and I am that for me is involved in helping other people. Right. It's, it's like coaching people and, um, making sure that, that like, it's just, it's, it's, I guess it's something that's innate inside of myself that I'm like, Hey, I want to help people. Right. So, and I perform my best when I'm doing that, because when I'm doing that, I'm not focused on what anybody else is doing. I'm focused on making sure that everybody in my squad is shooting well. And as soon as I start thinking about points and as soon as I start thinking about standings and things like that, it's just, it's something that I have to work on myself and my own psychology and my own mental preparation. But usually when, it, when that happens, I start going down the toilet bowl. Um, it's just not how my brain is wired. And yeah. it's something that, that I need to work on to become a better competitor. And that's a goal that I have for uh, the upcoming season. This year is like so busy for us. Um, we're in a pretty intense mode of growth at Modern Day Sniper. And we have a lot of moving parts happening right now. And so I kind of thought that I'd be able to get... I thought by this time in this year, I'd be able to be shooting more events, but it's just not in the cards right now. And so I think like as things kind of mellow out for us into the the late summer, obviously it's hunting season um, for us on, on, on the, uh, the modern day sniper side of the house, but I plan on making more efforts on the competitive side in 2024 when it comes to, you know, being more serious in the competitive world. 
But uh, we got a lot of really cool stuff going on at Modern Day Sniper that's just taking a lot of our bandwidth and attention. So um, I'm excited for this, man. I, I haven't shot your events. And like you said, it's like um, my job with a startup business and it's hard because, you know, we travel for work. I'm, usually I'm, I'm out about 10 days a month, eight to 10 days a month on the road. And, and for me and my family, that's, that's about as much as I'm willing to do at this point in time. So as things get, you know, different, my family's starting to get more interested in shooting. And that's one of the things that I haven't been, um, I haven't been, uh, forcing any of that stuff. I don't want to do that. Like if you guys want to shoot, like my son and my wife, if they want to shoot, you got to ask me. And when you start showing that desire and that drive, then I will facilitate. Um, but we've got so much going on. And as, as our family gets more interested, then we can start doing things together as a family. But until that starts happening, I need to be very, for me personally, I want to be conscious of my time and balancing my time with work and family life and, and making sure that I'm not dragging my family to things that they don't really want to be at, you know, and, and that, that's not, that's never a good dynamic either. So, um, I'm kind of excited because I will be bringing my family up to the guardian here in Washington this year. And, and everybody's pretty stoked. And, uh, we're going through as, uh, the preparations of it and, and making sure, um, that everybody's good to go. I know, um, Cassandra has said that she wants to do her absolute best to be prepared. Um, but then again, it's like a time balance thing, right? Making sure that, that, um, that everything else is getting done and, and, uh, play is play is on the bottom of the list right so we can and and trying to get that balanced is a difficult thing but i'm looking forward to it and the the fact is is that the way that you're structuring this there should be it sounds like it's very low stress it sounds like it's very low stress and i think that's very important for people to understand that um we see people show up to events all the time and they're really hard on themselves they're beat, they beat themselves up. They want to perform at their best. But at the end of the day, what that ends up being is, um, instead of the spirit of the match being at the forefront of the mind, the individual performance is at the forefront of the mind. And I think your event up front, your event is one of those where people can go and experience the, the spirit of the event instead of just the, the aspect of performance. Yeah. So one of the, the big things that uh, I've always committed to with the guardian is that we're not going to ever have a point series. And someone said, why? And I said, because as soon as you add a point series into it, it becomes about chasing the points and it becomes stack raking yourself based on numbers and others instead of for most of us, the reason why we do this is we want to go out and have fun. And for some people, um, trying to put yourself and I want to test my medal against other competitors at certain levels and doing the point series, it absolutely makes sense. And it's a great way to use them and, and the, the community as a barometer for, Hey, I want to see where I really stack up. Um, but that's a smaller, uh, number of individuals in the community than want to go out and have a weekend and be able to bring their family, have a good time. And it should feel like fun. And my general rule is if I'm getting stressed, I should be getting paid. <laughs> right. I like it. I like, I like that. That's like, pretty good. Like pretty good. I, I, if my job, my normal day-to-day -day job 
stops paying me, I stop showing up. Right. Right. Um, everybody that's involved in the guardian is, is a volunteer. Like we're, we're not like making buku bucks off of this. You know, we'll have expenses covered and things like that, but we're, we're all volunteers. We're taking PTO from our normal jobs to be a part of this, like the ROs and everybody else. So there's, there's sacrifice in it. And, um, I shouldn't be stressed. It should feel fun. Right. And that's, yep. that's, you know, when that's we super important, every, every one of the guardian matches at the end, we do a survey um, and it's a post like, hey, provide us feedback. Which stages did you like? Which one you didn't? And we get all of that data and we share it out with all of the match directors and, and all the uh, people involved in the planning of the match. And some of the criticism is like, you know, pretty brutal. Um, people say, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. Or I love this. I like that. But that feedback is what um, helps us get better. But one of the things we, we ask in the survey repeatedly is, if you could describe your experience this weekend in one word, what would it be? And we usually create like a little bubble map with like big words, small words all throughout, you know, mm-hmm. that. And the one of the um, the top words that always come to the top are fun, fellowship, and um, I, I think mission is always a part of it. Because, you know, I tell people regardless whether or not you go to, you go to church man. you're doing God's work when you come to a guardian because you're helping some kids that um, come from some really, really bad places. And when these organizations show up like they will, you know, at Washington and they tell you of the work that they're doing and what they're going to do with that $15,000. And when you have kids that show up that are a part of these organizations, like we had in South Carolina a couple of years ago, and these kids said, Hey, um, just so you know, all of the clothes that I'm wearing right now um, were funded and everything that I own is because of this organization and because of the money that you guys are giving me. So it was just like, you know, a whole bunch of tactical guys and and camo with, you know, onion cutting ninjas, you know, pulling the tears out of their eyes. But it's um, you're you're doing some really important work. And that's where I really want to emphasize, like, you know, there's really not a downside to coming to the match in in Washington out west. Shooters have been asking. We said, all right, we're going to do five matches this year in all different regions throughout the U.S. We could we could easily do 40 matches, but it's hard to replicate this type of like intimacy on that scale. It becomes a Barnum and Bailey. We don't want that. So we have you know Washington, Michigan, Colorado, Georgia, and uh, New Hampshire. So we. We've got one match in each area, um, you know, the Northeast, the South, mm-hmm. you know, the Midwest, so on and so forth. And um, when we said, man, we're going to come to Washington, we want to pick a picturesque location. It's got high angle stuff. Carl's got movers galore. So if you're a shooter and you usually go to a match and they have that one mover stage, well, guess what? You're going to encounter several movers at Carl's place because that's what he does. He builds phenomenal moving target systems and um it's it's just going to be picturesque and regardless of how you shoot you're going to leave there um generally with a a smile because you were involved in something that was freaking awesome you didn't feel stressed or frustrated you felt like supported and encouraged and hopefully at the end of it you had a good time going dude like people that have shot the guardian they'll tell you you it's different and it's hard to explain it's trying to it's like trying to explain the Grand Canyon. Like you have to experience it 
to like, people can show you pictures and I can show you videos, but once you come, then you'll go, dude, I get it. I get it. And I can't wait for you and Cass to have that experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. And, and that's one of the things that I just wanted to mention here on the podcast is that, <clears throat> pardon me, um, the, the Pacific Northwest is loaded with precision rifle shooters. Um, dare I say that this is kind of where like the epicenter of precision shooting in the competition space kind of started. Um, obviously you had Jacob and Frank doing their thing down in Texas for a while in like the late nineties and early two thousands. Um, but here in the Northwest, man, this, like there was a couple of clubs that just started doing it and it just blew up. And now there's pretty much on weekends, every weekend, there's going to be a place for you to shoot up here in the Pacific Northwest. And these events are full of shooters. So for you guys that are listening to the podcast that are up here in the Northwest, you got no excuses, man. Go to the Guardian, have fun, and just experience something a little bit different for a weekend. Because I know that the I know that you guys are shooting every weekend. I know that you guys are traveling from the west side of Washington over to, you know, over to Moxie here in Yakima. And I know that you guys are traveling from the west side of Washington all the way out to Rock Lake, um, shooting out there with Doug. And like, hey, man, go shoot the Guardian, right? So go have some fun and experience this event. There's no reason that we shouldn't have this event sold out. There, there really isn't. With the amount of shooters that we have in the Pacific Northwest and Carl's, Carl's venue is badass. It's just a lot of fun. So you're going to get challenged, right? So the people out there that are like, eh, you're going to get challenged. You make every event what it is. You make it for yourself, right? So even if it's a meatball match, you go to the meatball match and instead of just hitting targets, you say, okay, well, I'm just going to push myself on my time. I'm going to work on the, the finer points of the marksmanship process. I'm going to work on the finer points of, you know, stability and, or whatever it is that you want to focus on. You can do that even at a meatball match, right? So, because if you're competitive and it's a meatball match, then there's not a whole lot that's going to separate the wheat from the chaff at the end of the day. So it's going to be your speed. Most often it's going to be your speed and that's what you got to work on, right? So um, there's no excuses to not have this thing filled up. So hopefully we can get that done for you guys. What, what's the maximum number of shooters that you guys will take? I think 80 would probably be a, a comfortable threshold for us. Sure. Um, yep. And part of that's not driven by the venue. It's driven by volunteers, right? Because those are always the variables where you can, I could, we could probably have 150 to 200 shooters at Carl's places using a couple different hilltops, but mm -hmm. trying to get that amount of support to make sure that it flows smoothly and it's all done well. That's, that's the tricky part. Um, sure. I think we're, we're good for volunteers. We can always use more. I've never been to a match or I've never held a match where I'm um, saying, well, they have too many ROs or too many volunteers. That's never the case. So even if you're not a shooter, um, and you want to come and just be a part of it and just, I want to come and be a bird's eye, come and grab a scoreboard, uh, a scorecard and help us keep score or sit behind a spotter and, 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 and see how, as Frank Galley says at the guardian match, people try to out nice each other. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. and it's, and it's so true, man. It's, it's almost awkward how nice and, and kind people are to one another. Um, they're not throwing their game changers after they drop some points. Um, you know, because they understand it's for a bigger purpose. So, sure. Sure. um, 
you know, I'm, I'm really excited about this match. I was surprised to see that our registration was lower. Um, but this is the first year that I'm actually going to get to shoot every Guardian match. been doing oh, this for nine awesome. years. I've not gotten to shoot any of the matches because I've been busy running stuff. And I've taken a sabbatical from all of the day-to-day operations. We have the, the board and other volunteers that are basically managing the Guardian. And their one request was that I have to come to every match and shoot it. And I was like, done. So um, don't expect to see me holding any uh, trophies for first, second, or third. But I will be smiling uh, and having a good time. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to hanging out with you. And um, and I'm sure we'll probably do another we'll, – we'll probably record another episode with you up there um, if you have time. I know you're a busy dude while you're up there. But um, I think we're planning on camping. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna camp out there. And, um, Carl's got a nice place. I don't know what, um, he's got several locations. I don't know which one you guys have planned, uh, to shoot on. Is it, uh, is it the same location or the same, uh, area that the sniper's hide cup is usually yep. shot on? Yep. Okay. It's going to cool. be right in that area. Yep. I've shot up there many times. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and, uh, Garrison Pratt did all of the scouting and working with Carl and figuring out how they wanted to do it for this year. And, um, there's a couple ways that you can, I mean, there's so much space he has and so many preset, you know, stages out there where we could have a match out there every year and none of the targetry and stages even look the same. They're like, dude, this looks completely different. Mm -hmm. Well, and Carl can make that super difficult or he can make it pretty mellow. And that's the cool part about it. I mean, obviously the conditions are what they are. <clears throat> like if it's if it's ripping and it's blowing like crazy then that's that is what it is right everybody's going to have to deal with that but um you know in the time of year that you guys are going to be shooting it um the end of may the weather up there is just freaking gorgeous it's a great time of year to be up there it's not too hot it's not too nasty you might get a little you know you might get a little spring thunderstorm pass through here and there but other than that it should be probably pretty nice yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm I'm ex- I've never even been to the state of Washington, so I'm excited to be up there and just spend time with you guys and and um, you know, one of the things that we tried to do this year was any of the new venues that we brought on, we wanted them to be almost picturesque or like destination locations. Oh, yeah. And that's what we did when, you know, we brought on um, you know, this location in Washington said dude this is going to be so badass it's going to be like a place where you could bring your wife and kids or your husband and family and 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 that we did the same thing with alderbrook in new hampshire that we have a match there in july um that's that's a beautiful location as well out out in the uh, northeast there so yeah it's we're, we're excited man i can't thank you enough for allowing me to just be on here and just sharing any of the the stuff about the guardian if people have yeah, questions yeah. just have them reach out to go to our website go to guardianlongrange.com or even just email us at info at guardian long range um we're on social media we're active there reach out have questions hey if you want to show up and you don't have stuff ping us we'll make sure we bring it um we'll make sure we bring all of the stuff that you need to have a good time and we're just honored to be a part of this community and i just can't thank you enough for letting us come on and uh, spend time together. Of course, man. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so Gary, what do you do for your, what do you, what's your day job, man? What do you do for, what do you do for a living? 
Yeah. So I'm um, technically I'm, you know, people would say I'm in HR, but I'm actually, I do leadership development, training development, training design, stuff like that. So all of the stuff that where you talk about um, learning modalities and you talk about like, you know, the adult learning theories and how to build muscle memory. That's my job day in and day out is how to do that. Now I, I manage teams. I'm a senior learner or leader in a company that does that. Um, but that's, that's my job is, you know, I, how'd you get into shooting? So I was in, uh, ROTC when I was in high school, was on like rifle team there, fell in love with it. And when I decided, um, um, I was in enlisted delayed entry program to go into the army. And my whole thing was I was going to become a sniper and I was going to do all these cool things. Well, I ended up getting a college scholarship to go play baseball. And I got out of my contract, my obligation with the army, but that passion for me to be able to do some shooting never left. Well, several years ago, I decided to buy a rifle and go to the shooting range. And um, in doing so, I would connect with people. They would have like an AR in one hand and like a Bible, you know, not literally, but just figuratively. And I'm like, at the time, I'm like, man, why hasn't the church tapped into this demographic? Like the church is like the Second Amendment community, the God-fearing, God-loving community is overlapped the Venn diagram with that. With this, um, the the church community is huge. Why isn't the church leaned in on this environment? And I said, you know, um, at the time I was serving on the board for an organization to help with foster kids, and I said, I'm gonna start a shooting competition to help foster kids and. I didn't want it to be skull and like, you know, crosshairs right. on, you know, a silhouette. I had to create something that was approachable. So I created the guardian because the guardian and the shield, that's our logo. The shield is a defensive um, device that is used to protect the things that is that are behind it. And that's what the guardian is all about. It's about protecting the things that are behind it. And, you know, you know this as a sniper, your job is to, their primary job is to do your job that protects the people that are behind you. Sometimes the people are, you know, all the way back in the United States, but your job is to protect and preserve. And you guys are guardians when you're, you know, doing your job. And the people that I want involved in this mission, they are guardians as well for the needy and for these children. So, um, yeah, I, I created the, the guardian. And the funny thing is the first match that I held, was in uh, Virginia in 2014, and that was the first the first Guardian match I hosted was the first long range match I had ever even been to. Wow! Like I had not even put a match. Like I had never even been to a long range match. I watched YouTube videos and researched stuff on the internet and put together 60 shooters across several different states with the donations and prizes and just kind of made this shit up as i went along yeah and i'm still doing that today we're still because no one's ever done this like there's no playbook for what we're doing so we're just continuously trying to do the right thing and um it's the what's been a little bit disheartening is the difficulty how the political environment over the last several years has gotten more and more difficult for our voice of our mission to not be drowned out with the politics of 
you know, other stuff of course, involving yeah, of course. firearms. And, and that's, you know, a little um, discouraging. Um, so that's another reason why I wanted to come on is like, I want, the last thing I ever want to have to do is to cancel a match or say, Hey, the guardian can't do this because, um, because I know that it's not about putting on the match. I'm thinking about the kids who are sitting in a residential homes, looking out of a window, waiting for a car to come by to pick them up, to take them home. Cause that was me. Dude, that's, um, that's powerful right there, man. That's, that's like that statement right there. You know, that just takes like, I have a 12 year old myself and, um, like we've all been there as kids, you know, looking out the window, waiting for something, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's waiting for somebody to take you fishing. Like when I was a kid, um, I was just waiting for somebody to take me out to go fishing, right? My parents didn't do any of that stuff. So those interests had to be, um, those interests had to be assisted with outside help, right? So I can, I can totally relate to that. And, and, you add another layer, you know, you add another emotional layer of like something as powerful as saying, like, I'm waiting for somebody to come pick me up to take me to a different home or take me to a home that this is where I'm going to be because I don't have a family. Dude, that's really powerful stuff. Like that's, that's like, that's uh that's next level. And it's happening. It's happening all over the place. And I think a lot of people are oblivious to it because it's not in your face every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, uh, it's kind of like in the yeah, back like of your mind, you know it's there, you know but it's there. you haven't experienced it, so you don't really have any true, true context, context to base that emotion on, but it's there. It's real. It's a very real well, thing. Well, and it's it's extremely real. I mean, in the United States, there are 400,000 kids that are waiting for a forever family, and those are 400,000 kids that are looking out of a window hoping that a family will come and say, yes, we'll take you. Um, I was one of those kids. I was blessed to be able to eventually get adopted my senior year of high school. Um, and that was an absolute miracle because nobody wants teenagers. Like everybody yeah. wants the newborn baby that looks just like them, right? Nobody wants the 15-year-old girl that's got behavioral problems or the, you know, 13-year-old, you know, boy that's, you know, um, already started smoking and doing. Nobody wants, they. you feel like a reject. And you feel like I have nothing to lose, so I might as well just like YOLO. And um, what's interesting is 80% of kids that age out of the system um, that would, 80% um, of those kids are end up in jail or homeless within a year of aging out of the system. Right. So when right. you drive by your town and you see homeless people, just understand that 80% of um, those foster kids are now on the street because they have nothing and they had no support. And I can tell you as a father of four kids, um, you know, I have a 29, 28, 27 and 21 year old. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I can tell you that I, I love all my kids, but, and, and they're freaking awesome, but man, I don't know if, I would have taken them when they were teenagers and they were on the spectrum were pretty damn good. Right. And it takes some remarkable people to say, I'm going to lean in to kids who are, are, are needing and they're coming from a place of trauma. So it's not going to be uh, a meatball match for lack of a better term in parenting these kids. 
And so they need as much help as they can get. Um, I would love nothing more than to have at a guardian match, one of the guardian shooters, you know, come and share with our audience and with the demographic that's there, all the shooters and say, Hey, I came and shot my guardian match a few years ago. We were moved and compelled to do something and we got out of the shallow end of the pool. We jumped in and I want to introduce you to Brandon, who's our newest member of the family. And we brought him like that right there is like the freaking like touchdown for me is to see a guardian shooter take in a kid and see that whole cycle come full circle. That'd be pretty. And that's happened. We've, we've got people that are in the process of it and they're going through the process of either adopting or getting licensed for foster care. Um, and it, and it's unfortunately the process, like many things that involve anything with the government, it's overly like complicated and just frustrating. And it's like the DMV, like anytime you go to the DMV and that's to get a license for a vehicle, anytime you can imagine trying to, uh, get licensed to be a foster parent, and they make it so freaking hard, and it's discouraging, and you have to like not tap out because right. there is a kid that's waiting for you to like not tap out because you're having to do all this, you know, stuff. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that you say that. Um, <clears throat> so going back to like the 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 homeless the homeless adage that you were just talking about. Now it's rampant in here. It's rampant everywhere, right? In the United States. And so sometimes, um, you know, when you're kind of in the epicenter of that in one region, like as an example, Seattle, the homeless population in Seattle is, is out of control, right? It's, it's not good. It's very easy for, it's very easy for somebody to just take it at face value and say that that's nasty. That's dirty. That's, you know, that's, um, and you, you have this very callous, very, um, uh, adversarial view of it. Right. And it's like, I don't want these people here, you know, panhandlers in the corner of this, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. I think it's very important for everybody to understand that number one, a little bit of compassion goes a long way. Number one, um, number two, that person probably didn't want to do that right? They didn't want to do that. And you have no idea of what that person's background is. It's a human being that was a little baby at one point in time. And like, I used to be, I used to have a different view myself. And as like, I started to, I started to tap into a little bit more compassion on my, in my own heart, in my own soul. And you start to look at that from a different perspective and you're it's just not cut and dry, man. It's not black and white no matter how much you want it to be fucking black and white, it is not. And a little, like I said, a little bit of compassion goes a long way because you have no clue what that person's, what that human being story is. You have no idea how they ended up on that street corner. And it most likely, they're most likely a victim of some sort of, um, adversarial experience in their life that they did not choose. Yeah. And, 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 you know, one of the things I think about is, you know, when I see that, I, I look and I'll say, that's somebody's daughter. Yep. Yeah. Right. You know yep. what I mean? Like as a father of two girls, like when I was at shot show this past year and we're, we're hanging out afterwards and we're walking around 
and I see some of these young ladies doing, you know, different things on, on the strip and, and just, and I'm looking at them and I'm going, that's somebody's daughter that believes that this is their best choice mm-hmm. for surviving at this moment. Like what are, like in a minute, saddens my heart to think about what are the choices that led to this? Right. Like what were, what was your story? Because at some point, so your parents probably have, their parents probably have pictures of her from like third grade yearbook, right? And what she looked like when she was going through her awkward teens. And then somehow she ended up here. There's, there's a brokenness that's, that's happened there. And it's not the, the thing that I've struggled with. My, my kids have really helped me start doing is um, we, we can, as, as people who are not in that situation, we can be um, God's judgment and his wrath, or we can be his compassion and mercy. Mm-hmm. Like, you have a choice. I, I can tell you what, God's got the wrath and judgment thing unlocked. He's going to take care of that. Like, I don't need to help, like, beat down a person who's addicted on drugs or is homeless or is struggling or is whatever. I don't need to, you know, the easy thing to think about is, like, if a kid strikes out and you're coaching, you don't need to tell that kid that he struck out. He, 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 knows. he knows. Right? He knows. He knows. <laughs> he knows. And, you know, so, so when someone's – so what is the option then? Well, my job is to be not that um, – accepting or encouraging or endorsing bad behavior or choices but that's not my job is my job is to be compassionate and caring and meeting them where they're at and if i can help in any way um man that's i mean can you imagine if if every person that um you know listened to this podcast um just did one percent more than what they were doing and 1% might just be like, hey, I'm going to volunteer at a, at a homeless shelter. Or, hey, I'm going to be 1% better in my marriage. Like, I'm going to actually, you know, I'm going to go home today and, and you know, grab some roses for my wife. and Or I'm going to actually try to eat a little better. Just 1%. Like, if you improved your life 1% today versus yesterday, at the end of the year, and not only your life, but the the community, your family, your marriage, all of those things, and they would be so much better. Absolutely, man. And it's just, and you take it one step further and it's just, you don't actually have to, the action needs to come from within. And so that takes a shift in mindset. And so doing that work, like just shifting your mindset 1%, changing your perspective, looking at something through a different lens. Um, it takes courage because in order for you to have a shift in perspective, that means you have to abandon your previous perspective. So that way you can truly look at a different perspective without bias. And that's very difficult for people to do. It's not easy. Ego is ego is the monster there, right? Ego and pride. I believe that at almost the core of all sin is pride and people are too proud to, to, you know, and, and I think if you just humble yourself and say, you know, you're in traffic, there's a guy that maybe cut you off. And instead of getting pissed at him, you shift your mindset and just say, you know what, maybe he's rushing because he just got a text that his wife's in labor. And you know what, I hope he gets there safe. I mean, instead of me and being pissed at him, just a simple shift in my mindset helps me not get upset because I don't know this guy's story. I don't know why he cut me off and is blazing through traffic. He might've just heard that his daughter was in a car accident. Like, like I need to provide people grace and assume good intent. And that's actually some of the training that we provide a lot of our 
leaders and our employees at the company I'm at is it's one of our core, uh, what we have, what we call mindsets. They're not core values. We actually in our company have mindsets. And one of those is assuming good intent. And it's something that is a powerful mindset and it helps people approach situations much differently than, um, you know, being pissed and acting like, you know, it's like, well, maybe, you know, this is going on and I'm going to assume good intent here, which is a very um, difficult thing to do in our cult culture today, because uh, if you get on any news, it gets very negative and there's no assuming good intent with any of the news clickbait. And that's where I, you know, um, just encourage you guys to wherever you're at, wherever you're doing, trying to assume good intent with people is such a powerful skill set to have. Yep. And it's not easy to do, as you, as you said, it's very difficult, but, um, you know, the, uh, you have to ask yourself, like, why did that, why did that dude piss me off? Why did I get pissed off? That's the, that's the, that's the key, right? And that's the first step to, to being able to look at things through a different lens. And that's something, that's something that we talk about all the time over, over here on our side, on the modern day rifleman network and in our monthly subscription service. Um, Cassandra does something, um, we have a group within the modern day rifleman network called, uh, find your own trail. And Cassandra does, uh, biweekly shadow talks there and she calls them shadow talks. And that is, um, basically it's a conversation to help you get in touch with the shadow aspects of yourself. So that way you can learn how to become a better human being by having some introspection rather than thinking and, and projecting outwards that everything outside of you is the problem when the reality of it is nine out of 10 times, you're the problem. You know, your perception is the problem. So, um, and if you guys haven't, you know, if you're not over at the modern day rifleman network, you guys hear us talk about it all the time. Um, we're, we're, we look at things from a holistic perspective. Um, shooting is not the end all be all shooting is just an activity that we do as human beings because everybody has a different reason. Everybody has a different why. But generally speaking, at the end of the day, um, shooting is going to help you tap into a deeper or, or understanding a deeper aspect of yourself and why you do the things that you do. It's just another it's just another way of getting to know yourself a little bit better. And so we approach it from a holistic standpoint because there's there's the activity of shooting and then there is the the mental and emotional aspect of shooting. And anybody who tries to deny that is full of shit. I'll tell you that right now right? You're full of shit. Um, so that's why we do what we do. And I think that the, the synergy between what you guys are doing at guardian and what we're doing at modern day rifleman and modern day sniper, it's, it's one and the same in, in many respects. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things I was going to mention earlier, and I want to make sure I offer it up now, which is any, uh, person that's a part of the modern, modern day rifleman, modern day sniper, that comes to a guardian match. And if you, you are a member of that community, um, we're going to give you a hundred dollars in raffle tickets as an incentive to be there. So for this listening audience, um, you're part of modern day sniper, modern day rifleman, let us know that, um, you know, you're, you're a member there. And when you come and you show up, you're going to get a hundred dollars in raffle tickets, which is 20 extra tickets to pull, uh, anywhere from 50 to $60,000 in, in prizes off of the table to just incentivize your audience a little bit. That's pretty cool, Gary. You just dropped a bit. Like, I didn't know you were going to say that. Yeah. This, that wasn't yeah. planned. 
Maybe it was no, it wasn't. Your end. It wasn't it wasn't. Planned on our end. <laughs> yeah, no, no. This was this was an. Inc- I I want to incentivize it. It really costs us nothing to give away raffle tickets, right? Really, because because all of the products that we get are all donated. Like all of the companies that support the Guardian um, from the venues, like Carl, he gets no money for this. He's losing an entire week of his place that he could be making money on. Mm-hmm. You know, Night Force. You know, Thunder Beast, all the companies that are super involved in, in, in the Guardian, they don't ask for anything. So when we give you raffle tickets, um, you know, the, the intent is um, that we want you to invest in being a part of this mission because we know that um, regardless of what you walk away with physically, the emotional, mental component, um, you're going to be stronger. You'll be better. And we want, we want you guys to experience this. We really do. That's so awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's beyond generous. And so for those of you guys that are listening, um, you heard it here first. Um, now that, now that this is a thing, I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to make some social media posts about that. And, um, I know that we have a lot of members within modern day rifleman network that are local up here in the Pacific Northwest. And so, like I said earlier, you guys don't have any excuses, um, I know you're shooting and the one thing that like to, I mean, we're coming up on our hour here, but that's okay. Um, the one thing that that's, that's also difficult is that the popularity of precision shooting has grown so much that you're in competition for competitions, right? So there's so many events out there. There's a, there's an event just about every weekend. If you really want to dig into it, you can find an event every weekend if you're willing to travel for it. So yeah, I think there, I think there's a PRS, there's a points match or something in our area that is, that occupies the same weekend that the guardian is. So, um, for those of you guys out there that aren't chasing the points, like hopefully after listening to this episode, you can, and if you hadn't heard of what the guardian does, you can, you can say, okay, cool. Like I'm going to go, I'm going to go be a patron at that event to support what their cause is. And it's important. It's really cool. So thanks for that generosity, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, that's who we are, right? We're, we're all about giving back. And, um, I just am excited to, to, to be able to just share the space with you guys. I love what you guys are, are, are about. There's a lot of podcasts and organizations out there that run in the similar same circles around talking about shooting and stuff. But the element that really separates modern day, sniper and the modern day rifleman is the holistic aspect. There is a very um, short uh, roof or cap to your physical capabilities as a shooter. There is a infinite level cap to your mental ability. And that's where you see the difference between the good and the great and the greatest is tapping into that peak performance and having the mental component because there's only so fast you can run a bolt, right? Right. Like there's, there's, there's a limit to that, but when your bolt gets hung up, how do you mentally recover from that quicker? Is it going to affect you for the rest of the day? Is the rest of the stage or just a couple seconds or not at all? Right. Those variables there are what differentiate that. And the fact that you guys camp out on the mental component of it, um, not only helps the shooters, but I think the behaviors and the things that you're teaching, we're talking about transcend shooting. It yep. gets into the holistic element of a person. 
And I love that's, that. That's what we're after, man. That's it. Well, Gary, thanks for coming on, man. This is, this is a good conversation and, um, you know, what you're doing is beyond honorable and, um, we're very happy to support your efforts and I'm looking forward to seeing you in May. Yeah. Look forward to it. Thank you guys. Make sure you reach out. If you have any questions, please reach out, ask us questions. We want to be here for you guys. And, uh, hopefully we'll see you guys in May at a sold out match. Yeah. So, so, so let everybody know where they can find you. And we're also going to link this stuff in the, uh, we're going to have live links in the podcast description. And when we post this up on social media, we're also going to provide some, some contact availability. So let everybody know where, where they can find you, Gary. Yeah. So all of our matches are on practice score. If you're, you know, if you use practice score, you can go ahead and search for guardian long range there and you'll see our full calendar there. You can also find our matches on our website. Um, you can link um, from that to, to go ahead and register there. Um, that's guardianlongrange.com. We also have Instagram and uh, Facebook pages as well. So, um, you know, if you have any questions, like I said earlier, email us at info at guardianlongrange or just ping us or DM us. And uh, myself or one of our staff members, uh, our volunteers, will get back to you as soon as we can. And hopefully, you know, we get you connected into the Guardian family. Badass, man. Well, thanks so much, Gary. I appreciate your time. And uh, like I said, we're super stoked to support you and your efforts. Awesome, man. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Gary. Take it easy. Yeah, bye.